Good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing? Now, who agrees with Kyle? Like, I might be biased, but those kids were awesome, right? <laughs> they were awesome. Well, thank you, everyone, for being here this morning. We're kicking off our summer series called Faith in Real Life. Faith in Real Life. Really cool series. We're going to be diving into 1 Corinthians to see how our faith can flourish no matter how complicated life gets. And I'm really excited about this series because I think a lot of times we have the propensity to kind of view our faith and view our relationship with God as kind of separate from real life, right? We kind of compartmentalize things and say, okay, like, here's my relationship with God, here's that stuff and all my spiritual stuff, and then here's, like, the real stuff, my everyday life, my work, my job, my family, all the practical things. I'll kind of keep those separate. It's almost like our spiritual life is an alternate reality that we can kind of slip into when we need to be re-energized, when we feel like we should be doing something spiritual, right? I'm at church. Of course, I'm going to do spiritual things at church. Of course, my faith is going to be displayed there. And as we get into these summer months, you know, when we get into, like, schedule changes for some of us, my wife's a teacher, so she's going to be off. Lucky her. Uh, we get to go on vacations. In, those, in that, this time, it's easy to lose sight of our need for faith and our relationship with God. When we go on vacation, we try to forget the fact that life actually doesn't take place on a beach somewhere or at Disney World or on a golf course or on my couch, like all those things. We kind of we lose, lose sight of that. That's not reality. And in our desire to fully experience summer, we forget to take the time to pursue God and fully experience a relationship with God. So this summer, we're going to be inviting you to answer the question of, does faith work? when life gets messy and when life gets complicated? Does faith work when life gets messy and complicated? Can we really trust our faith in Christ? And is this a practical way to get the most out of our lives? Is our faith practical? Can we apply it to our real life? And we're going to answer those questions as we move through the summer series, Faith in Real Life. So I wanted to start by digging in and, and reading our series verse. It's 1 Corinthians one twenty-five, and it says, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. So you read that, and this is, Paul wrote this, this, this book, and you think, what are you kind of talking about here, Paul? You're talking about the foolishness of God and the weakness of God. Those usually aren't things that we associate with our God being, weak and foolish. So something that I want you to keep in mind today and, and as well through the rest of the series, what, what Paul is talking about here is the gospel of the crucifixion and the resurrection. And before anybody tackles me off the stage for saying that the gospel of, of the crucifixion and resurrection is foolish and weak, I want you to kind of view that, that statement through the, the, the lens of, of the, the people that Paul is writing to. He's writing to, to, to the Greeks. He's writing to the city of Corinth, the church in Corinth, a city in in Greece, and he's talking about the gospel of crucifixion and resurrection, the very foundation of our faith and our salvation. And, and, and he's writing to these Greeks, and to them, the foundation that we're talking about, this crucifixion and resurrection, this was foolish to them, right? The gospel was foolish to them. It was too simple. It was too mysterious. And for something that's supposed to be so awesome, it was too accessible to everyone. That's the foolishness that they're talking about. Through the lens of the people that he's writing to, it was a foolish thing to believe in Jesus and what he did. And to the Greeks, the gospel should have been more complicated. The gospel should have been more challenging, more exclusive. They viewed the crucifixion itself as a sign of weakness. 
and the servanthood of Jesus that he displayed for the disciples and displayed for us as we read through the New Testament, it just mystified them. It confused them. It doesn't make sense that a Savior should be a servant. It doesn't make sense that a Savior should be crucified. And on top of that, the city of Corinth was, was one of kind of mixed moral standards. They had varying philosophies on things like, like sin. And it left these new Christians that, that, that Paul's talking to, that he's writing to in the city of Corinth, he left them with this bit of a dilemma. Because the things that he was teaching them about were foreign, didn't make any sense to these Corinthians, to the culture. And they were surrounded by friends and neighbors who believed things that, like, like sex wasn't sacred, it was a means for pleasure. Wealth wasn't a means of generosity, it bought power, it bought security, it was, it was your standing. These were very, very proud people, the Corinthians. And they were dependent, listen to this, they were dependent on the prevailing way of life around them in order to fit into the culture. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Like looking at the world around you and saying, this is what everyone else is doing, and this is what I need to do to fit in and be, an accept, be accepted in that culture. And this is where the, the, the Corinthians were living as Paul writes this letter to this church, this new church that, 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 that just kind of sprung up. They were new believers in Jesus, and Paul had a huge heart for them because he had actually spent like a year and a half with them, helping them plant this church. He led many of them to Christ. And now the thing that prompts the Holy Spirit to say, Paul, you need to write a letter. You need to write to them and teach them. The thing that prompts him is that they are now in danger of slipping back into a living like the rest of their culture. They are in danger of slipping back into living like the rest of their culture and falling away from their faith in Jesus. So Paul says, you know what? I need to write this. And he's writing them about the beauty of the crucifixion and the resurrection. And their culture, the culture in Corinth around this new church is screaming at them that their faith is too simple, their faith is too accessible, your faith is too illogical to be taken seriously. So that's where we head into this morning. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 1 through 9. I wanted to read them to you. If you want to bring it, take out your Bible, it's also going to be in your outlines and on the screen. So 1 Corinthians 1 through 1, 1 through 9. It says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Sosthenes. I am writing in God's church in Corinth to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank my God for you and for your gracious gift he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. This confirms what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift that you have seen that you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our, our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you firm to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord, Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says and has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning, for, for such a great day. Uh, thank you for the kids. Thank you for um, just being here this morning and wanting to speak to us. I just ask that you would teach us something fresh and new from your word as we dig into our new series and dig in to your word in 1 Corinthians. God, in Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, so, so again, remember, Paul's writing to the Corinthians in the midst of kind of some messiness and some confusion in their culture that we kind of talked about a minute ago. And the Corinthians, they had just, they had messy lives. You know, they had messy lives that required their faith to work in real life. This, this wasn't something they could just kind of compartmentalize, put their faith on the back burner. If they were going to succeed in this messy culture, their faith had to be on display. Their faith had to be working in real life. And so Paul starts this letter with a good reminder for the Corinthians, but one that we can take some, some encouragement in it as well. Verse 2, it says, To the church of Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call in the name of, uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and, our, and ours. So he starts by reminding them. He says, look, guys, God invited you to be the church. He invited you to be the church. He didn't invite you to mimic culture. He didn't invite you to fit in with the culture. He invited you to be sanctified, set apart. He wanted them to understand, look, your physical address might be in Corinth. You know, your physical address might be Enola, Dillsburg, Mechanicsburg, wherever it is. That might be your physical address, but your spiritual address is in Christ Jesus. That's what he opens his letter with. And he's saying to them, look, look, being in Christ is a lot like being married, right? Once you're married, if, you're, if your marriage is, is based on a foundation of, of, of Jesus Christ, you know you don't, you don't go out and date other people. You don't do things like that. Marriage sets us apart to fully belong to our spouse. And Paul's telling the Corinthians, he's saying, look, you're set apart. He's saying it to us too. You're set apart. You're fully in Christ. You're set apart to belong to Christ. You're called out, chosen by God to be his special people. And I do want to take just a second to acknowledge, like, that sounds great to be God's called, apart, called out, set apart once. That sounds great, but that can be a bit of a lonely feeling. Because as you, as you, you embrace that and you look around you, you know, you have your, your family members and friends and neighbors that don't know Christ, and now you're being called apart away from them. Away from them, it feels kind of isolating, but I want to encourage you that while we, you know, we don't necessarily want to be set apart, we don't want to stick out, we kind of have our skin wants to blend in and not have anyone pay too much attention to us, I want to encourage you in the fact that you are not alone in being called out. You're not alone in being a set-apart follower of Christ. Yes, you have God, but you also belong to God's larger family. You're not alone. And this is why Paul starts his letter with the basic truth that your first point this morning is you have been empowered to be set apart. It's an invitation, but you've been empowered to do that. You've been empowered to be set apart. And this is Paul's message to the Corinthians and his message to us. God is inviting us to step away from, to step from the way that the rest of the world is doing life. Right? Be set apart from the, rest of the way that the rest of the world is doing life because ultimately, even if we're succeeding in the way that the culture defines success, even if we're succeeding in the way that the world tells us success should look like, it pales in comparison to the special things that God has you set apart for, the things that he's empowered you for. You're called out to be centered on Christ, to live out of the work that Jesus is doing inside you to transform you because it's easy to fit in. Most of us can fit into a culture, go into the summer and just say, you know, I'm going to take it easy, I'm going to coast, I'm going to just get by. That's what fitting in looks like for a lot of us, but it's not living out the transforming work of Jesus in our lives. Because God is always working. He's at work right now as we speak. 
And that's a crazy thing to think about in itself. Even if we're we're just sitting here listening to me drone on, right? God is working in you, talking to you, doing things in you. And I I would ask you, are you aware of that work in your life? Do you believe that God has the ability to transform every part of your life? And what does that look like for you? Do you actually feel set apart? Do you look at your faith and say, yes, this is something that sets me apart from the rest of the culture? Do you believe, at its core, this is kind of a core question, do you believe that a set-apart life in Christ is better than any life that you can live on your own? Do you believe that a set-apart life in Christ is a better way to live than what you could do on your own? Or do you look at that question and you think, you know what, it's probably fine for me just to look like everyone else. It's probably fine just for me to fit into the culture. And if that's your answer, I just, I want to take a minute just to encourage you and tell you the truth of the Bible, the truth that Paul's trying to express here is that you, God didn't empower you. He didn't do all that he did for you just so you could fit in. He did all that, and he empowers you so that you can be set apart in your character. You can be set apart in the way that you live and the way that you love. And I challenge you, if you are a Christ follower this morning, to ask yourself a question. Does your life look any different than someone who isn't following Christ? Does your life look any different from someone that isn't following Christ? Because it should. Because of those truths. You are set apart. You are sanctified. You are made holy by the blood of Christ. That, that gospel, of that, that, that message of the crucifixion and the resurrection. And this really hit home for me, probably like, I think it was like seven years ago, uh, my Uncle Jeff passed away. And I remember at his funeral, um, the, the, the pastor that gave the eulogy, he, Uncle Jeff was a Christ follower. And I remember the pastor that gave the eulogy was, he uh, gave all these examples of, of how God worked in him and the things that God did through Uncle Jeff. And all this gave an awesome eulogy and the things that, about the things that God was able to accomplish through Uncle Jeff. And I remember as I was walking out, I heard someone say, man, like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. When I hear pat messages like that, when I heard that eulogy, it's like, it's like Jeff didn't do anything. It's like Jeff didn't do anything. It was, all just, it was just God doing all that stuff. And I remember thinking, like, wow, like that's an interesting perspective on things. And it was the first time that I ever thought about the question of, of which is better. Like, which would I rather have? Would I rather have a bunch of things that I was able to accomplish on my own that I can point to and say, yeah, I did that. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, I did that. Or is it better to say that the creator of the universe chose to use me in such a way that I was able to have an impact on the kingdom of God. And we want to say, like, we'd rather have the second one, right? We want to say that, but so often, I think, like, our, our carnal selves says, like, yeah, we probably want to have some of those first ones, though, some of the stuff that I can point to and say, like, yeah, that was me. I did that. So it isn't really necessarily an easy question to answer all the time, but I will tell you that the way that you answer that question will go a long way toward telling you if you are living your life as, as Jesus' set-apart child or like you want to just coast by and fit in with the culture. So think about that this week and throughout this series. Now, some heavy stuff here just in the first couple, couple verses, but lucky for us, Paul doesn't stop there. He continues on into verse 5 to help the Corinthians and us understand how God is at work in us. It's great to say that God is in work at work in us. But what does that look like? Verse 5, for in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming 
our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gifts as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. So Paul says, he's basically saying that when we open up to Jesus in this way, to the empowerment to be set apart and everything that God has for us, allow him to take up residence within us and abide in his love, we become enriched. That's what this verse is saying. If you live a life like Jesus is talking about, we will be enriched in how we talk and how we think. We become a new person with with a new perspective on things, and we literally find new ways of speaking and processing life that comes from the source of life, and that is Jesus. And again, this isn't just something that the Bible says. It's something that will play out in your life if you have faith in Jesus. And if that is true, that God isn't working you, investing you to think differently and speak differently, we have to ask ourselves a question. Okay, what does that look like for me? What does it look like for me to tune into God and think differently, speak differently, live differently? Think about God helping you think differently. When you have a decision to make, if you're plugged into God, you're engaged in God, you don't just weigh the the pros and cons anymore. You engage God in the decision first. You say, what do I do here? And ask him what he thinks you should do. When someone has wronged you in some way, you don't jump right to planning your revenge. You don't jump right to giving that person the silent treatment or yelling at them or, or, or ridiculing them. You seek counsel from Jesus first. You say, what do I do with this? How do I respond? And you end up responding in a loving way. And this isn't the cookie-cutter way that our culture tells us to behave, but when we go to this source of wisdom, when we go to Jesus, we will begin to see the transformation taking place in our lives as we become more like Christ. Because there is transformation that can take place in each and every one of us. No matter how long you've been walking with Christ, no matter how long you've been engaged with Christ, each and every one of us has something we can transform to be more into the image of Christ. And Paul's point is that God has done all that he possibly can to make that possible for you. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He lives in us. He's done everything that he possibly can to help you and to help you help others discover and deepen their life-changing journey with Christ. But he is calling us. Look, I've done all this. You have to respond to him. You have to respond to God in some way because the temptation The temptation is to not give him control of our lives, but the temptation is to try to make changes on our own, right? We look at things, okay, I need to change the way I talk. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I have this thought in my brain. I'm going to change this. I'm going to, I'm going to stubbornly change this for myself. And we walk down the path of transformation on our own when half the time we don't even know what it is in our lives that actually needs transforming. But God has the understanding that we need. He knows what in each and every one of us needs that transforming. And when we tap into that knowledge, he will lead you, he will guide you, and show you the transformation that you never thought was possible, that you honestly didn't even know needed transforming. And all that you have to do is understand God chose you. God called you. He wants a relationship with you so that he can engage with you and transform you. And when you surrender your thinking to him, when you surrender your life to him, that step of faith is going to drive that transformation. When you focus on what Jesus wants you to do, he's going to give you spiritual gifts. He's going to give you spiritual empowerment. He's going to give you grace in order to allow you to be transformed and be an agent of transformation for others. So the bottom line this morning is our second point. There's only one 
source of enrichment in life, and that is Jesus. There's only one source of enrichment in life, and that is Jesus. Another way to say it is, like, there's only one well for us to draw from. Like, there's not all these different wells for us to draw from and find that empowerment, find that enrichment. But I think the temptation, again, what our culture tells us to do is, like, you should have all these wells, different wells that you can draw from. You know, when you're tired, draw from this one. When you're, when, when you're not uh, enriched, draw from this one. There's all these different wells, things that we go to when we get tired or need a break or need energized. You know, for me, one of my wells that I draw on pretty uh, routinely is, is I go to the gym. I love to go to the gym. You know, I, I go usually early in the morning because it's, it's the one place where I can seem somewhat athletic even though I actually don't have an athletic bone in my body. <laughs> like it's that, that one place that I can feel good about myself there. But I go pretty regularly and, and because it's been my me time, right? I go early in the morning, I run, I lift some weights, and I get energized for the day. But the thing about that is, is I have to go day after day after day, keep going back to that well, keep going back to that well. And honestly, while it's not a bad routine to get into, is to get up early and go to the gym, the problem is, the problem is, is that well isn't the enrichment that God's talking about. It's not the enrichment that Paul's talking about in this letter to the Corinthians. You know, my body might be getting stronger. I might be able to lift more weight and run, run further, but going to the gym really doesn't do anything to empower me for the life-changing journey that God has me on. And I've kind of come to a place of understanding that, you know, if my entire worth and my entire empowerment and refreshment, all that is wrapped up solely in how much I can bench press, I'm never going to see the value that Christ saw in me when he died for my sins. I'm never going to understand that value if my entire value is wrapped up in something else. There's always going to be someone bigger, always going to be someone stronger, always going to be somebody faster. And this source of enrichment, whatever it is, whatever is your gym, whatever that thing is for you, that type of enrichment has a, a shelf life. It doesn't last forever. And yeah, I end up having to go back to the well over and over and over again because it doesn't last and shouldn't be relied upon for the type of enrichment that only Christ can provide. So hear this. This summer and beyond, I don't want this to just apply to this summer. I think it's just our overall lifestyle, right, and, and what God calls us to do. Jesus I want to encourage you, Jesus should be the only source, the primary source of enrichment in your life because you're not going to find it through anything else. The culture is going to lie to you and tell you that there's all these other types of things that will enrich you, all these other sources that we can go to like vacations and recreation and pleasure, but I'd ask you how many of you guys have ever gone on a good vacation and then couldn't wait to get back to work to take a break, <laughs> right? Especially if you have kids. Thanks, Abby. <laughs> Especially if you have kids. And all these things, like I don't want to say that these are bad things. I'm not going to stand up and tell you not to go on vacation because that's something that I feel like we, we should do. It's, you know, God wants us to do that. But there is only one source of true enrichment. And this summer, if you find yourself feeling discouraged, frustrated, wanting to lock your kids in a closet on vacation, whatever it is, I don't do that. Whatever it is, <laughs> if that's you, if you're feeling that way, I encourage you, check your source. Check your source. If it isn't God the Father, you're not going to receive the fulfillment that you were set apart for. That's the source, Jesus. There's only one well. There's only one source. And this summer, you need to find a way to get to that source and get there often by engaging God the Father in whatever that looks like for you in your relationship with God. And so, Bob, 
Paul builds on this in the coming verses, and he goes on to remind the church in Corinth. He says that Jesus is the well that's going to sustain you through everything. Verses 8 and 9. He will keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our last point this morning, God wants to partner with you. God wants to partner with you. And that word partner, what it literally means is called into fellowship. Jesus wants to be in fellowship with you. You've been called into partnership, into fellowship with God. And when I hear that, when I see that in Scripture, it's like, why does God want to partner with me? Why does he have the the desire to partner with me? And the answer is because he believes in me. He believes in you more than you believe in you. God believes in you more than you believe in you. So God gave you Jesus. Because of that belief that he has in you, he gave us Jesus as like the ultimate partner, right? The best partner that we could ask for. Now, how many of you guys remember back to like school when you had those dreaded like group projects, you know, and you got paired up with like the worst partner in the world? I see a lot of nodding of heads from like high school kids and college kids. Like, yeah, I get it. Like, you got the worst partner in the world, and, and ultimately when that happens, you end up having to carry the load. You end up having to carry the weight. And you can compare that to the time like, okay, you got like the best partner in the world. You got Laura Kelly, right? <laughs> you got Laura Kelly as your partner, and we're going to be on point. Like, it's, there is a difference from being carried, and, and it, from being carried by someone or carrying someone with, to, to when you have a partner and you share that load. God wants to, you to partner with him in this, the incredible plan to transform your life, right? So, so you stand out. You stand out and you're set apart in our culture rather than just fitting in with it. He's empowered you in all of your brokenness to be part of changing the world one heart at a time. He looks at you and says, yes, you have brokenness, but here's my son. Here's my son that died on the cross for you to to help you with that brokenness, to, to fulfill that brokenness. And this is a truth that we should hold on to at all times. But it's especially important kind of going into this summer because, you know, our, our, our tendency is to let our guard down during the summer, isn't it? Like, it's beautiful outside. I can just go outside and hang out. We can take a break, go on vacation, vacation from all of our problems, forget about real life, and just relax by a pool somewhere. And we feel like vacation is that payoff for a long year's worth of hard work. And again, I'm not going to tell you not to take advantage of that, but I will caution you caution you. While you are taking that time for yourself, while you're taking that time wherever you go for vacation, make sure that you stay engaged in your partnership with God. Make sure that you are continuing to stay engaged in your relationship with God. Take your Bible with you. Do your devotions. Pray. Talk to him. Whatever it means, your partnership and your relationship with God should not take a vacation just because you take a mental break from reality. And as we head into summer, it's easy to forget that God's desire to partner with us, it has transforming capabilities. It will transform you. But it's not just about us. It's about our involvement. It's that our involvement in that partnership enables God to use us in ways to help others build relationship with him as well. So in a culture, much like the Corinthians, in a culture where fitting in and doing the status quo and fitting in with the culture is kind of celebrated, 
God created you to be so much more than that. And what I love about this, this verse and this message from Paul is that God understands that none of us are perfect, right? He gets that. It's why he sent Jesus. This verse doesn't say, look, I'm going to keep you firm and I'm going to partner with you as long as you don't mess up, as long as you don't sin, as long as we're per- you're perfect and do everything that I want you to do. That's not the message of the gospel. And verse 8 and 9 are so awesome because of the message that they send when they run them through the, verse, the, the filter of verses 2 and 3, which says, he made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. So our partnership with God is not a result of our perfect obedience. It's a result of the grace offered to us through the blood of Jesus, through the crucifixion, through the resurrection. We're going to fail. We're going to mess up. It's inevitable. Sometimes the temptation to fit in with our culture is just too strong. To fit in with the status quo, that temptation is too big of a pull for us. And we're going to fail at times. But the challenge is then, is what do we do when that happens? What do we do when that happens? Do we keep going back to those wells that our culture sets up for us? Do we remain in the sin that caused us to fail in the first place? Do we look up to God? We say, God, how can I partner with you? How can my relationship with you, how can I lean into you to get past this and understand, again, my calling to be set apart for you? God, empower me as you work in my heart and keep me firm. And when I feel convicted, this is God's invitation to be receptive to his work of grace in your life. Your conviction is just a reminder to say, yeah, I need to partner with God. I need to build on my relationship with God. And it's a hard thing to understand that God believes in you more than you believe in you. That doesn't make any sense. Like in my brain, I keep thinking to myself, like, why would you do that? (laughs) Why would you have that belief in me? What it is about me that gives you so much belief and so much confidence that you refuse to let me remain in my failures, refuse to let me fit in with the culture, that you keep picking me up, extending grace to me and pointing me towards the everlasting well of Christ. Why do you do that, God? When we, go, when we go there and we have those questions, this verse, 1 Corinthians, this chapter, we can go back there and see that it's because Jesus' death invited us into fellowship, invited us into partnership with him, and he invited us, he empowered us to be set apart into his family. He's called you, each and every one of you, he's called me to partner with his incredible plan to transform your life. So you stand out for him rather than just fitting in. And he's empowered you in all of your brokenness to be part of changing the world one heart at a time. So the message of today, just to wrap things up, is that you are empowered for more. The culture has stuff that when we look at it, it's like, man, that would be really great. That would be a really awesome thing to have. That would be a really awesome thing to be a part of. But again, We have to understand that the things that God has set us apart for have so much value, so much kingdom value that our culture will never understand. Like the Corinthians, they think it's weird. (laughs) They think it's, 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 it's illogical. But we know because of our partnership with Jesus that it makes perfect sense.
message of, of, of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection is that he did all that so that he can be in re- relationship with you. So going into this summer, going into this time when we're, we're looking forward to vacations and things like that, we're looking forward to just taking a little bit of a, a mental break, don't forget to engage God. Don't forget to make him part of your real life. Don't compartmentalize. Don't set him over here and say, like, God, you're over there. Now, here's all the stuff that, that is real life. Bring them together. Say, God, be part of my everyday life. Be part of everything about me. Be part of everything that's around me so that you can transform me. That's what he's calling us to this morning. And so in response today, if you want to pull out your response card, if something kind of hit you, and you're like, man, I really need to ask myself that question more often. I really need to uh, engage God in that way more often and understand that my partnership with God isn't reliant on my actions and being perfect, but it's reliant on me engaging with the truth that God died for me. He covered my sins. He covered everything with his blood so that I can be empowered to be set apart, to be a set-apart child, part of God's family. Let's pray. Father God, thank you uh, so much for wanting this relationship with us, for seeing things in us that we never, ever would have even thought to even think about. Your gospel is, is one of transformation, God, and we each have transformation that can happen in our lives, but we have to plug into you. We have to desire you. I desire a partnership with you. It's transformation. God, we're thankful this morning that, that a partnership with you empowers us. Empowers us not just to fit in with the culture, to fit in with what the world tells us is the right thing to do, but it empowers us to be set apart as Christ followers, set apart to your family, set apart to everything that you want to do in our lives. And some of us, God, have been, there's been times in our lives where we've just been beaten down with conviction, beaten down with judgment, beaten down with the sins that we fall into, God. And the message this morning and the truth that you're speaking to us right now is that all that can be washed away. We say, Jesus, I want you in my life. You are the Lord of my real life. You're not the God just of of, of this church. You're not the God of of these four walls, God, but you're the God that says, go out into the world and be set apart. Set a different example. Show the culture what real life should look like. That's your calling to us this morning. I think we're all at least a little bit challenged to say, God, is my life truly look? Does it truly look like I am a set apart child of God? I think that that's a question that all of us have to engage you in this morning. So we invite you right now, Lord take some time to just to just pray worship you a little bit 
Help us answer that question. How, how can our life look more set apart for you? How can we be transformed more to look like you, God? In Jesus' name, amen.